Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I am your host, Father David Mowry, chaplain to the Movies by Minutes community. And I am honored to be joined today by uh, a very special guest. She is a writer and editor. She is also the host of The Shining 237 and the Rosemary's Babies 666 podcasts. Uh, please welcome the Movies by Minutes Queen of Scream and Mistress of the Bacab, Susan Tekla Kruglinska. Hey, <laughs> Father David, it's so happy. I'm so happy to see you again, to hear you again. Susan, it's great to hear you too. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. It's been, a, you, it's, it's actually only been, let's see, you were on my show like less than a year ago, I think. It does feel like more than that, but I believe you're right. Could be about a year, maybe. I've been stretching my show out. But mm -hmm. you came on and uh, we talked about the Antichrist and, and all of that really fun stuff. As you do. <laughs> As you do. You know, you're just bored on a Saturday afternoon. You know, I think I'll call up my friend Susan. Talk about the Antichrist. I'm the person who forced a priest to watch Rosemary's Baby and The Shining. <laughs> going to hell for that. No, well, I, I think you and, uh, and Tierney from MASH Minute are in competition for that. Because you had me watch MASH. And I, I know of, of those three, they're certainly different in spirit, but uh, equal in scandal, you might yes. say. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I you know, you know. Uh, and I, I, you know, yeah, so it's not, it's not the worst thing. But I, man, you just did so much. My, they're my favorite. Two of my absolute favorite episodes of both of those podcasts are the ones you were on. You're just, you were just amazing. And you helped to... Uh, um, rid my show of its demons and did a little discount exorcism and you're the best thank you very much susan and and uh i'm happy to have you on for the best minutes as we talk about minute 55 today uh, minute 55 begins with peggy trying not to wake fred up and ends with fred waking up Oops. <laughs> oh, oops. No, it's, it, I hate it when you have the overnight guests over and you forget the thing in your room because you, you want to be a good host, but yeah. you also, you, you just need to get some clean underwear and you just, you got to get in there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad for her, um, you know, but well, you know, it, it, it pans out. It pans out. Yes, and in, in the long run, this is all going to work out. Uh, but in the beginning, you can you can tell that Peggy is a little nervous because there is just a very subtle teleportation that she does right at the door, right at the beginning of the minute. Whereas <laughs> there is just a very slight cut uh, where they're splicing two of the takes together. So it just makes me wonder: did did she? Oh yeah, trip? yeah. Isn't that did she trip after she came through <laughs> the door in one of those takes, or was was uh, was the actress not giving not giving Mr. Wyler the the emotion that he needed for this scene. <laughs> and what's great about this bedroom scene is this, it has sort of spooky lighting, doesn't it? It does. That's why I wanted to have you on for this minute. Cause well, you know, it doesn't hold a candle to the shining or Rosemary's baby. I think there are still some subtle horror overtones to this scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we have very harsh lighting coming from uh, behind the camera and we have a very stark shadow as Peggy moves across the, the poster bed and across the wall where uh, now uh, Fred is sleeping in her shadow. Hmm. Yeah. Is that, it's, is that significant for their future relationship maybe? <laughs> it's it's definitely weird lighting. Uh, you know, there it, it's it's like in the bed. So it's a canopy bed. They're in mm -hmm. he's you know, frilly 
pretty canopy bed. And I mean, <laughs> decadent. Yeah, you know, nobody should really buy a canopy bed, but who can resist it? It's like sleeping in a tent. It is the funnest thing ever, right? Look, um, Al Stevenson's daughter gets the best. She has had, I bet you she has had that bed since she was 13 years old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's interesting that you asked me for this minute because I'm also doing in uh, a few weeks um, Rocky Horror Picture Show Minute, the Rocky uh-huh. Horror Minute. And they said, oh, we're going to have you do a bedroom scene. So let's talk about horror movies and bedrooms. And then you contact me and give me this bedroom scene. So I am just swimming in bedroom scenes. <laughs> so actually, you know, it is interesting because Rosemary's Baby, a lot of the horror takes place mm. in the bedroom, in mm-hmm. Rosemary's bedroom, as you know, with the beautiful yellow wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, you know, another... Hearing na- those strange noises coming from the, yeah. the neighbors. It's another nice, frilly, feminine bedroom that, oh. like, horrible things happen in. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting. And then even in The Shining, you know, there's a fair amount of stuff that takes place in um, Wendy and Jack's bedroom where uh, Danny embraces his dad in the most awkward, chilling way possible. Um, so Having anyway, fun spark. <laughs> yeah, Jack Nicholson, why are you so creepy? <laughs> but you know, it's it is the bedroom. I mean, it, it's you know, he just had this horrible nightmare. Bedrooms are scary. When if you think about it, most mm-hmm. of your time being scared in your lifetime is in your bedroom. When you're a kid. You think something's under your bed. You need that nightlight on. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your nightmares. I I am a nightmare person. I have nightmares. I still have nightmares all the time. And, it, it, you know, most of your fear in our nice, cushy, you know, American lives where we don't really have, you know, we're not in the middle of war and we're not in the middle of, you know, a lot of horrifying stuff going on around us. Um, most of your fear is taking place. You know, it does take place in your bedroom. So. And that's that's where the terror comes from. It's the place where you are most vulnerable. You fall unconscious every single night and yeah. you are dead to the world. And so you put yourself in a uh, a very precarious position. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I I have been having stress dreams lately where I have been uh, late for class or I haven't done the essay assignment and I wake up in a panic. Like, oh, I, got, I got to get that essay done. Oh my gosh. And then I realized, no, wait, that was just a dream. It's all fine. I'm in my yeah. room. Everything's okay. Uh, but you know, there, there are times when I will fall asleep and I'll be asleep for about 20 minutes and then I'll just, I'll wake up in a panic. And the only thing that helps me some nights is I got to walk over to the door to my bedroom and just lock the little, you know, pop lock on yeah. the on the door. And then, oh, okay, now everything's fine. I'm safe. Nothing could possibly break through this flimsy lock that's only here for peace of mind. I'll be okay. And then I'm able to fall asleep. Yeah. No, I would wager most people, the most amount of time you're scared is is in your bedroom. I mean, by far, you know, by far. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, and, and obviously there's classic horror movies. Poltergeist, a lot of it takes place in the bedroom. The Exorcist, right. like all of the scary oh, stuff. The, the, oh, that, the entire movie <laughs> the entire takes, movie takes place. place in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, Paranormal Activity is another great example of a movie mm-hmm. that almost entirely takes place in the bedroom, a horror movie. So anyway, so I love this scene. You know, I love that I got this scene because it does. I mean, this is... <laughs> You know, there's something about it that is just, like you said, the casting of the shadows and just the weird lighting and even the femininity and the frilliness. It's almost like a big ghost around him. This canopy bed's almost like a big floating, you know, kind of ghostly thing that's surrounding him. 
So, and he's barely alive as he begins to wake up and just begin to piece together where he is. Because after Peggy comes around the bed, she works her way over to what we can see is a closet, but to Fred in the bed just looks like an open door. And he's maybe just been aware of some shadow passing across his yeah. vision as he sleeps. And I would, I would bet that you know, if Fred were an army man, he would be up and ready for action at this point. Now, yeah. I know this this is not to say anything against you know our our uh, good uh, men and women in the Air Force, but the Air Force is is not known to uh, require to sleep outside on the ground and to be ready to move at a moment's notice. And right. so, as an Air Force captain, if Fred doesn't have the same instincts, which you know, probably works out well for Peggy. I mean, I've heard stories of veterans coming home and oversleeping and their parents come in to wake them up and all of a sudden the the all the military instincts kick in and the veteran has the the mom or dad pinned to the bed because oh, yeah. they wake up with a start because they're so used to being on that hair trigger and being able to go into action at a moment's notice yes yeah yeah uh, and speaking of scary, look at the inside of her closet door. Uh, now. Okay, good. Now that I, I wanted to get an expert's opinion of this because you know I, I don't know anything about women's closets, and you know when I look at the back of this door, uh, it is amazing to me that not only are there so many shoes, but they're also carefully organized. Yeah. All right, it looks, so, it, it, okay, so take it away, Susan. Well, well, she's clearly the kind of girl who's going to be organized. I mean, I'm not. Mm. Believe me, my closet does not look like that, okay? <laughs> but what scares me is the, the speaking of weapons, those heels. <laughs> every, every, she has like, you know, 90 pairs of heels that could, you know, you, you could, you, they could go through a person's skull like, you know, nothing if you smack them on the head with one of those heels. Yeah, let me. So um, one, two, at least three pairs on the top row, and then there's another pair yeah, no, on the very bottom set of hooks. Yeah, they're 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 these are these are massive, massive heels, and I'm just like I thank goodness every day that I don't that we no longer are in an age where that was it. That's all women wore were heels. You know, that was it. That was your casual. You'd mm-hmm. go to the drugstore in your heels. You'd you know take a walk down the block in your heels. Yeah. You know. yeah, but these look like three, four inch heels They're, to me. That, that's yeah. incredibly <laughs> tall for the 1940s. It ranges a little bit, but yeah, those are some, you know, those are some impressive. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm, I, you will not, I, you know, I, if I want to dress up maybe, but I am just so thankful that I've never had to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had to squeeze your, the front of your foot into these little tiny triangle. Yeah. Uh, forget right. it. Right. And, and and Peggy mentions in the course of the film that she's helping out at the hospital. So she is yeah. on her feet yeah. all the live long day. Right. And she just you know, gotta, there has to be some kind of uh, lower back pain that results from putting all your weight on those heels. Oh, God, yes. I mean, uh, these women ended up with, you know, you could get slightly deformed feet. I mean, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. Chinese foot, foot bondage for the modern age. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, but it, it's just sort of funny because it, it really does, they do look like weapons on the other side of the door. They're very, very uh, intimidating looking. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah, so there, there's a very easy uh, horror movie change where the closet door opens <laughs> and instead of heels, there's all kinds of, you know, interesting hooks and chains yeah. and kind of butcher's tools that could be in there. Fred would exactly. be none the wiser. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it looks like there are probably flats in those little pouches underneath. You, we have more sensible shoes, do you think? 
I don't know. Back then, you you know, there weren't that wasn't having sensible shoes, you know, maybe around the house, but you really mm-hmm. didn't. You went out in your heels, you know. Right. So. So what what could those be then? Because that seems like an awful lot of ballet shoes. Let's see. Let me see. You know, she probably she might have had a few, but but basically, you were you were you were dedicated to your heels. You knew how to. Mm. You knew how to walk in anything back then. Is she coming into the room wearing the heels she had on yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's in her bathrobe, so I... She is, yeah, that's true. She is in her bathrobe, but she obviously didn't have a chance to uh, throw... Uh, yesterday's clothes in the hampers, uh, which is what she's coming in to do now before she grabs today's outfit. Yeah. Uh, and I really wanted her to grab that big plaid dress that's hanging right there in the closet. That looks like it would be killer at a cocktail party. Yes, yes. No, I want to see the rest of it because she's – I love – man, the dress she wears later when they go out uh, dancing – Oh God, I'm dying over that dress. <laughs> anyway, she's she's. I definitely like her style. Definitely. But yeah, Peggy is a very well put together. Uh, has a very well put together fashion plate. It seems to me. Yeah, I loved and, her. She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah, I I think that uh, Teresa Wright does an incredible job with this role because there's so much for Peggy to do in this movie and has. Uh, has, she she really plays well in the the humanness of Peggy. She is yeah. uh, she's a very she's obviously an ingenue type. She's very caring, very loving, as we saw in the nightmare scene earlier this week. But she isn't uh, she isn't going to be easily won over, and she's a fighter. She's willing to go after uh, what she wants. Yeah. And... Now I don't yeah I don't like the whole story. I don't like her story. I have to say right. I, I don't like her story. I was a little disappointed in the ending even, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, 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 you know, you got to love the Homer and Wilma story, of course. I mean, how oh, could yeah. you not love that story? You got to love the um, Al and M- Millie story. But mm-hmm. this story. Millie is a saint. Yeah. We, we, talk, we, we talked about Millie earlier in the week, but oh, Millie just has super human understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm realizing that if I had been a young person in the 1940s, I would have been in love with Frederick March. He's so friggin' handsome. Okay. Anyway, excuse my. So, um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I don't like this story. Um, I don't mm. like that she's like, I'm going to wreck this marriage, you know, but on the other hand, um, I love her character. I do love her character. So, it's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah. Well, yes, of course, uh, according to the Movies by Minutes contract, I am not allowed to comment on uh, later plot developments of this <laughs> oh, film. Sorry. Uh, all, sorry. all I can say right now is that uh, Peggy, not only does she have a great fashion plate, she's all, also already ready for the day. It looks like she has her hair and face done. Yeah. Well, that's she's coming into the room. That's typical movie stuff. I mean, all women yeah. are in there in, in bed with full makeup. You know, Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, what is The Marvelous Miss Maisel, where uh, the mother character goes to bed with her husband, and after the, the, the dad of the family's asleep, she gets up and removes her makeup, <laughs> and then goes to sleep, and then before he wakes up, she gets up, puts her face on, and then gets back to bed so that he wakes up always seeing her done up. Right. That lampshades the the movie reality that we're so accustomed to, where you know, Peggy would have been coming in with uh, couch hair after uh, <laughs> yeah. sleeping out in the uh, in the library all night. So she uh, gets what she needs for the day. Uh, looks like she's got a nice nice suit and skirt uh, for her stint at the hospital. And as she goes back to quietly exit the room to not disturb her guest, I got to say, Fred is giving her a look yeah. as she's going around the bed. And, and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Well, didn't he? Did he earlier grab at her, or is that to come? That that did happen uh, last week. Yeah, when, when that Peggy, was that yeah. was not not cool, not cool, not, Fred. No. Not mm-hmm. cool, Fred. Not yeah, cool. I cro- definitely crossed the line, and uh, we'll. Uh, We'll be hearing a little bit more about that next week as uh, Peggy and Fred come to talk about what actually happened. Yeah. Um, but it's there's the it's not just the I'm in a strange place and I don't know who this person is. This is I'm in a strange place and that girl is really cute. Yeah. Kind of look and yeah, I don't especially since he's in her bed. It's mm. yeah. Yeah, no, he's his character, you know, I that's why it's it's sort of not a storyline I'm crazy about because and and I didn't realize I actually really like this char- this actor. I never realized who this guy was, Dana Andrews. But sure. um in this movie, he you know, he there is a sleazy feel to him. Uh which, you know, I think works it, it, it's that's what he's supposed to be doing, but mm-hmm. it's a little hard to feel really good about her and you know, whatever happens to them um <laughs> yeah the fred, fred, fred is the equivalent of the high school quarterback who has peaked in high school uh, the yeah. captain in the air force is as good as it's going to get for fred and we are going to see over the course of this film fred trying to re-enter life and he's never going to hit that high point again so he's always going to be relying on his charm and his good looks and he comes from such modest means we saw his family earlier in the movie and yeah so their home he, was very very modest obviously oh yeah, yeah living, shack living like, a, yeah exactly living in a shack underneath the tracks mm-hmm. so he has he has little social preparation for this kind of situation yeah 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 that's true i mean that's the thing he does represent that kind of person who would be a little more crass a little more crude would kind of grab at a girl uh without really you know especially back then um but yeah Still, still. Yeah. But anyway, what she says to him here, their little exchange, I think, is interesting, too. I bet you're wondering where you are. Uh, and so I was I was thinking about you as I was prepping for the minute because you just you change the music scoring for this and you just add a little ominous kind of undertone to this. And you might be worried that, oh, Fred might be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, person who's kind of obsequious and nice to me. And I don't know anything about him. <laughs> what could happen? <laughs> yes. Yes. And what does she say? She says, um, well, so uh, I I know what you're thinking. Where am I? You can worry about that later. Fred. She, so yeah. she knows his name. You can sleep as long as you want. Right. But uh, so that bothers me that she doesn't. She Don't worry. You don't need to know where you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Pay no attention to the shackles around your legs. You don't need to worry about those. Yeah, exactly. That's that to me was that was a little, you know, like you said, a little ominous. And if I were him, having just been through the war, no matter what his capacity of being in the war, you know, to be like, no, 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 no you don't have to worry about where you are. I mean, come on. That, yeah, that would, I, yeah. yeah. What she what she says, I'll tell you later, Fred. I'll tell you later. Fred. I'm like, oh, can you tell me now? You I don't mean, need I, to know I'm, where you I'm are. awake. <laughs> And in that situation, when I wake up in a strange bed, having obviously no memory of the night before, I the last thing I want to hear is sleep as long as you want. Like, oh, heck no, am I sleeping yeah. any longer in this bed? I have no <laughs> idea where I am. Right. In my girl's bed. Mm-hmm. My little girl's bed. Uh, yeah, it's just a very strange exchange. You know, it's but it's a very 1940s movie. On the other on the other hand, it's it's something that a woman in the 1940s, you know, movie, a, a 1940s movie would say, oh, don't worry about where you are. I'll tell you later. <laughs> yeah, the, very innocent, very, uh, very caring and very uh, uh, yeah. deferential to the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
So then, uh, then Peggy exits the room, leaving Fred to contemplate the poster bed. And then we uh, we establish a habit of Fred's that we'll see later in the film, where he uh, he likes to just kind of puff at some frilly things. Yeah, yeah. He does a little poof on the the frills, the bed frills. Mm-hmm. Blows on them, right? Yeah, and so he he will. I don't, I don't, there's just interesting commentary there where. All right, all right, wake up in this strange bed, and I've got this frilly stuff. And so I'm sure for you know, my, the way I, I look at that, Fred is so used to wartime surroundings. I mean, they flew back to town in a B-17, for crying out loud, not yeah. exactly first-class accommodations. Right. So this is the softest and frilliest thing that he has seen in years, probably. Right, exactly. Right. Yep. And also you have to feel bad for him because you know that he wanted to be with his wife tonight. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's a whole other layer that is, you know, sort of interesting and, and mm-hmm. sad, you know, and very sad. So it could also represent a little bit the wife that's not there, you know. Right. I, I know that other hosts have talked about that scene before. But for me, that that's one of the things that hooked me into this film was the 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 documentary or the kind of cinema verite kind of feel to that storyline where everything does not happen in a typical Hollywood fashion. Fred's wife is not waiting for him in order to come home. There is not a smooth re-entry into his normal life because Fred is a disruption. It's, It's symbolized here in this scene. He's sleeping in a stranger's bed and they are accustomed in, in this wartime to just make do and, and go along with the war effort. And the Stevensons are an incredibly generous family to this uh, man who was, by all accounts, just a drinking buddy that Al met that day. Yeah. And uh, Fred in Peggy's bed kind of is a great symbol of veterans not having a place to come home to. Yes. And uh, now having to readjust to civilian life. Right. And again, yeah, the wonderful contrast of just being in this world that makes no sense to him, surrounded by chiffon, you know, lace, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And and that space age blanket that they gave him. I love that shiny blanket. Um, you almost oh. picture it as being silver, but I, I I think it's a shiny pink. I'm guessing it's a shiny pink blanket. Yeah, a shiny pink. It's all polyester. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. does not breathe at all. No, it's flammable <laughs> as all heck. And, you know. Oh, so you think it's it's the, it's the special asbestos blanket? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. uh, poor guy. So I didn't realize. So Dana Andrews, you know, I watched this whole movie and didn't recognize mm-hmm. him because I just wasn't familiar. I mean, I'm sure, you know, my mother who grew up in this time she knew exactly who he was um but mm-hmm. he was in actually one of my favorite movies um which happens to be a horror movie surprise surprise oh curse of the demon or night of the demon from uh-huh. 1957 it's a fantastic horror movie uh couldn't recommend it more mm-hmm. um when i realized that's who that was i did a little dana andrews film festival in preparation for this um, oh, great. Episode. And he's been in some interesting movies. Of course, he's been in some classic movies like Laura. I mean, I know people have already talked about all this, but I wanted to point out some of the cool little, you know, because I love horror. He yeah, was in go for it. The Frozen Dead from 1966. That is a movie where mm-hmm. he plays a mad scientist trying to bring Nazi war criminals back to life via their frozen bodies. And it includes a disembodied head that ta- that, that is still kept alive. Uh, well worth checking out. Watch the Frozen it. Dead. The Frozen Dead. 
And what, what year is that from? It's 1966. 1966. Watch it at 1.5 speed. <laughs> it's, it's, really <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun. Oh, because that, because, that, you know, mad scientists trying to bring Nazis <laughs> back to life. That is everything I want in a B-horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was in, uh, so again, Curse of the Demon, as I said, the, now Zero Hour. Do you know about Zero Hour? Exclamation point. That's <laughs> oh, I, I'm just familiar with the unpunctuated zero hour. What is zero hour exclamation? <laughs> zero mark hour all about? exclamation point is from 1957. Um, that was one of the absolute inspirations for airplane for um, airplane the comedy movie, the classic comedy movie. Oh, really? So many scenes you have to watch it. Okay. So many scenes are absolutely 100 percent directly taken from zero hour exclamation point. And it's about a pilot who had been in the war who ends up on an airplane that is beginning to crash and both of the pilots pass out from food poisoning and he has to fly this thing and take it in in the sleet, snow and wind and, you know, uh, Sterling Sterling Hayden's in it and Mm -hmm. being a wonderful quintessential Sterling Hayden. Oh, so worth watching. He was also in, ready for this, Hot Rods to Hell. Boy, this is just nonstop hits. Dana Andrews knew how to pick them. 1967. This one you watch in regular speed. It is a wonderful 1960s hot rod movie. The teenagers are out to get this family in their hot rods. They're terrorizing this family. They use words like Splitsville and Daddy-O with no irony whatsoever. And Mickey Rooney's son is in a band that plays in a groovy bar, and you, I can't recommend it more highly. So that was my Dana Andrews Film Festival. Hopefully mentioning wow. movies that have not been mentioned yet so far in this podcast. Oh, uh, well, I, I think I'm pretty confident you've got a lock on the frozen <laughs> dead. Uh, with uh, I know I'm sure that uh, Jim O'Kane has already talked at length about Zero Hour, but it never hurts to talk about a movie like that again. It's so good. It's really it's it's actually really it's it's fun. You have to watch Airplane first, rewatch Airplane first, mm. and then watch Zero Hour, and it's just a riot. It's a riot. <laughs> Oh, oh, excellent. Wow. Well, you, you went down that rabbit hole and came out with some real <laughs> gems. Thank you so much for sharing all those. Um, just real quick, a couple other horror connections. Um, yeah, Ter- yeah, go for our, it. Our Teresa Wright right here, um, yeah. Miss Peggy Stevenson, was uh, uncredited in The Exorcist Three. So I don't know. Oh. I don't know where she is. Somewhere in there is an elderly woman who is this woman. I mean, I don't know why she's oh. uncredited. She's she's obviously a superstar here. Yeah, she's Teresa Wright. I yeah. Mean, come on. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't realize William Wyler, the director of this movie, who is obviously, um, you know, a legend and Ben-Hur right. and all. He did The Collector, which is one of my favorite also like horror movie. I can't believe it's the same guy. can't believe it's the same director. But Terrence Stamp's um, Terrence Stamp movie, The Collector, 1965. Again, I'm mm-hmm. sure this has been talked about, but I can't recommend that highly enough. It's just a wonderful, creepy film. Um, so anyway, you know me. I just had to had to connect all those dots there. Perfect. Well, th- this is why we bring you on to scare us <laughs> half to death with all these great movies. So thank you so much for bringing all those uh, to the show. Yes, yes. Well, it was my pleasure. It was so much fun to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, learn about all of this and expand my movie knowledge and learn about Dana Andrews, who's amazing. Um, yeah. And I didn't even realize I was already a fan. So. The last thing I wanted to mention, it just uh, as I've been talking all this week, 
the we've been following the music cues throughout this scene and just notice noticing how the orchestration has been matching the emotion so here the music is is very morning themed there are lots of strings and oboe and flute and just nice light woodwinds all in a major key to indicate that the sun is up and uh, everything's gonna be okay even though yeah fred you're waking up in a strange bedroom and you don't know where the heck you are and the first person you meet won't tell you where you are but everything's fine and listen, listen to the birds chirping outside in the wood <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i uh i i love looking at the soundtracks and and um you know and coordinating that now i heard that the the director actually wasn't crazy about this soundtrack um i think i read that somewhere um it's kind of that classic 1940s morning music and Mm-hmm. It's very serviceable. It's not not giving you any surprises. It's just it's communicating the the emotion of the scene really on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. And it contrasts with the lighting, right? It totally contrasts yes, with, with the lighting. Yes, with that very harsh lighting. So, I mean, it, the only thing I can think of to explain the lighting is that Peggy's bedroom just must face directly east. And so she's just getting the full sun here in the morning because it, it's not it's not clear what time it is. Uh, we'll find out next week and the minutes coming up that it, school hasn't started yet if if only barely uh but it's still very bright out so it must be that early uh first full blast of the sun before it starts to climb up into the clouds here's my guess the director was like we have to have the canopy bed because it it symbolizes the contrast of him you know waking up in this other world and the mm. lighting director was like gosh darn it like i can't light that and yeah. it's, it's very hard to light. i'm sure that this was very hard to light in the first mm. place so I have a feeling it might be something about that. Just give me all the spots you have and no more, more. <laughs> That's right. Well, Susan, did you have any other notes on this minute? No, I think that's it. Well, then the, the last thing I'd ask you, Susan, and I've been asking all of my guests this, was there or is there anyone in your family or anyone that you know who, uh, who served in the military and came home as a veteran? Yes. So um, I had two great uncles so i'm a gen xer i'm i'm mm-hmm. like dead center gen x so my grandparents generation were the ones who were in world war ii okay actually and um so my great uncle henry and my great uncle camille one of each from either side of the family um both served and both came back with mental problems i'm sorry oh, to say no. yeah 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 very um profound you know never really were able to get their lives together actually mm-hmm. after the war um and my uncle camille especially just he was my mother's favorite uncle um very sweet man but he just kept to himself didn't want to socialize with anybody um and was just not a happy person and mm-hmm. you know we feel pretty strongly you know in both of these cases it was because of what they went through. And, of course, nobody talked about what it was they went through. You just right. didn't, you know, you did not brag about that stuff. You did not br- talk about with your family what you saw um, over there. And so I don't even know what it was. But um, we do. I have, like, a gas mask. I have um, a few objects from them from World War II mm-hmm. in my possession, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that so many people come home with more than just those physical mementos they come home with those emotional scars you know to say nothing of people like homer who are are coming back you know having lost part of themselves physically yeah in in the service of war so i i'm i'm so sorry to hear that uh those those two great uncles of yours 
uh, came back traumatized from that. And I'm sure that your family loved them the best they could and uh, tried to help them uh, reintegrate and try to find some peace during peacetime. Yeah. Well, again, you know, people didn't really understand it so well, mm-hmm. too. So I don't think they really got the help they needed. Right. Um, and of course, you know, it wasn't you didn't want to you know, people didn't want to see go into therapy, especially that generation. So sadly, they both were, you know, it, basically homebound kind of people for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. So it's really, you know, and that's one of the greatest tragedies a person can have is your whole life kind of never blossoming. So it's it is it's very sad. Thank you so much for for sharing that, Susan, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for sharing all of uh, your <laughs> you know, sharing all the horror stories. <laughs> the horror, yeah. uh, you know, again, horror—it's an escapist thing. It's nothing compared to real life and what war was like. And so, you know, it's our little release. It's like a roller coaster ride. But I don't mean to—you know—it's it's in a way you have to, you know realize that so much worse really went on in this world and uh it's great that this you know this movie was able to kind of cover that ground and yeah and it it's part of the uh the irony of the title that these are the yeah. best years of our lives yes. even though they're so full of difficulty and uh that's often the case that you know the time that we have the the most difficulty are the time when people are saying, oh, these are the best years of your lives. But sometimes the best years require a whole lot of hard work in order to get through. Yeah. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me so much. I'm so glad I got to do this. And it is Friday, so uh, we thank all of our listeners for tuning in all this week. Uh, I invite everyone to join us again on Monday. We'll be back for uh, another set of minutes Please remember that you can find the Best Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. You can join the conversation, and maybe you can find Susan hanging out at Butch's Place, uh, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook. Uh, chat her up about some of the other Dana Andrews classics, horror or otherwise. Heck yeah. Or you can follow the show on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Uh, Susan, where can folks find you? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and I have my, my website, The Shining 237, or Rosemary's Baby 666. Uh, they're both the same place, rosemarysbaby666.com or theshining237.com. And again, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. And yeah, join me, please. And you can find uh, Susan's shows and over a hundred other Movies by Minutes podcasts by going to moviesbyminutes.com. The Best Minutes is a group project by the entire Movies by Minutes community where we take turns looking at the same movie. But all of these hosts that I'm honored to share the mic with have been working very hard to break down the whole sweep of cinema from horror to comedy, from Star Wars to MASH. And so we are more uh, more than happy to have you come along for the ride and I'm sure whatever your favorite movie is there's already a Movies by Minutes podcast about it but stick with this Movies by Minutes podcast and join us again next week for the Best Minutes podcast Hey Joe You better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.